We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Well, it's certainly a trader's market with all the volatility as of late. Technical analysis has proven to be king here. We saw a retest of the lows put in in late September and markets have pretty much taken off from there. But how much higher do stocks go before running out of steam? We're getting a technical look at financial markets. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. All right, let's bring on Jim Welch, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Jim Always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. Always great to join you, Andy. Well, Jim, markets have really taken off to the upside since the last time we spoke. By the way, gold has had a nice run in that time, too. We'll get back to gold. I know that was one of your recommendations uh, the last time you were on the Gaines podcast. But wanted to set the table here to start things off. Recap what we've seen since uh, putting in those lows end of September. Now we've had a little time for the market to really move to the upside. Your thoughts? You know, in mid-October, the market was at its lows, very, very oversold. Sentiment was pretty negative. And my expectation, Andy, was that we were going to begin to get better inflation news when the October CPI came out uh, on November 10th. So the combination of the market being oversold made me believe that a rally to 4050 to 4150 on the S&P was coming, and uh, that the only interruption was going to come from Jay Powell when after the November 2nd FOMC meeting, that he was going to push hard against the idea that the Fed would be going 50 basis points. Uh, He just didn't want Wall Street to get out ahead of where the Fed um, was at that moment in time. And so the S&P pulled back to about 3,700, and then it has subsequently rallied big time when the CPI did, in fact, come in better than expected. Let's talk levels, where things are shaping up technically, and we're talking yep. with, with Jim, we talk S&P levels. Yep. Um, so, you know, as I just noted, in mid-October, the market was really oversold in terms of, uh, you know, market breadth had been really beaten down. Well, the indicators that I use to identify that, Andy, have now become somewhat overbought. So in yesterday's weekly technical review, my advice was that it was time to sell uh, a little bit if the S&P rallied over 4,009, which was the high yesterday. And as good fortune would have it, there was a gap higher 
at the opening this morning when the S&P traded at 4,020 up to 4,028. So I just felt that we were nearing a point where another pullback <clears throat> was likely. The Fed, you know, the market rallied on the CPI news, the assumption that that means the Fed's going to go 50 basis points. All along, I've been in the camp of they're going to go 50 basis points. They just need a, the cover of a decent CPI report. But I think what we're have going to hear— Have they gotten that cover? Have they gotten that oh, cover? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I believe they have. And the PPI came out today, plus there's another CPI report that will come out December 13th just prior to the next announcement on December 14th, that should also be lower. So the Fed's got the cover. But what I felt, and it was likely to happen, is that more governors and presidents of the FOMC would come out and give speeches saying, yeah, you know, I'm leaning toward 50 basis points. But I want to make sure people don't, you know, presume that that means we're going to be easing policy anytime soon. There's going to be additional rate hikes. And then the main point that Powell, I think, made very clearly on November 2nd, is they're intending to hold the Fed funds rate at this restrictive level, whatever it may turn out to be, four, four and a quarter, four and a half, whatever. But they're intending, Andy, to hold that at that high level for all of next year. And what's been happening is Wall Street now thinks the Fed, yep, uh, well, they'll raise rates, but by the middle of next year, they're going to be bringing them down. They don't believe they don't believe difference. the investors on Wall Street don't believe that the Fed is going to follow through with what they were going to that what they said they would do now. And like yeah. you said, 50 basis points coming up at the next meeting. I had a pretty high conviction that it would be 50 in December just because the Fed has increased rates very significantly in a short amount of time. The lag time, whether it's six, nine or 12 months means the full brunt of what they have already done will really start to dig into the economy as we approach mid-year. Yeah, how, uh, I mean, how long does that take to when they when the Fed makes a move and starts shifting monetary policy, there's obviously a lag. How how much of a lag time is that just to kind of get yeah, perspective? Well from? everyone says between six and twelve months. This time it might be a little bit more resistance only because Consumers had a lot of savings, between $1.5 to $2 trillion worth of savings coming into this year. So as rates start to go up and credit card rates go up and so forth, consumers had a cash cushion and, of course, rising prices that they're paying at the grocery store and everywhere else. They had more in savings to help buffer that, which means that that point in time where they are forced to cut back kind of gets pushed out a little bit. My thought here, Andy, is that we'll see a decent Christmas uh, on the unemployment rates near a 50-year low. Wages are growing 5 to 6%. I think a lot of people are going to be like, you know what? I want to have a nice Christmas. Come the first quarter, my guess would be is a lot of people then will say, okay, <clears throat> time to uh, tighten our belt a little bit. So I think the economy is going to be okay. All along, I was not in the recession camp, as you well know, that a recession would not start this year. It was a, a 2023 event. And I think as things progressed, the probability of that happening by mid next year, you know, has continued to climb. So uh, I think what the markets and you appointed that the markets don't believe the Fed. That's been a problem all year. The Fed said it was going to raise rates uh, expeditiously to two and a half percent. The market didn't believe it. Sold off in the second quarter pretty hard. Uh, in J July at the Jackson Hole uh, speech, uh, pardon me, August, late August. Powell had a pushback really hard 
because Wall Street assumed that, oh, he didn't confirm after the July meeting that they're going to do 75 basis points. So they're only going to do 50. So this inability to really listen and believe what the FOMC is messaging has been an ongoing problem. I think the next chapter is going to be when people realize when the economy shows more signs of slowing in the first half of next year, the Fed isn't going to fold right away. They're going to continue with, we need to have proof that the uh, level of inflation is coming down toward our 2% target. And they really need to see the, the tightness in the labor market ease. And it just takes a while. I think especially in this environment where a lot of employers have struggled mightily to find people to hire, they're not at the first sign of slowing. They're not going to be jettisoning uh, employees. They're going to try to hang on to them. They'll cut back hours and so forth. So the labor market is going to take months to really begin to unwind. And all that to me adds up to the Fed is going to raise rates in December, probably raise them again. Maybe it's only 25 basis points in February. But the more important point is they intend to hold it at that level through most, if not all, of next year as it has a greater drag effect on the economy. I think the odds are we're going to see a recession uh, develop by the middle of next year. So what's that mean for stocks, especially when you okay. see a, a, a recession? You know, yep. your markets are moving higher right now, Jim. I mean, and, yeah. and there's there's momentum. But if we're heading into a recession next year, you got to think they're going to peter out at some point. I mean, how does this all impact stocks? Well, again, what I've tried to do is use technical analysis and my understanding of what the Fed is trying to convey to markets. So in April, when the S&P was around 4,600, it's time to lighten up. In mid-August, when the S&P was above 4,300, it's time to lighten up. And yesterday, I said on the opening tomorrow, today, as it turned out, uh, if the S&P trades above 4,009, time to lighten up a little bit. Um, because I, I think, you know, there's a pullback coming and then there could be another push higher going into the first part of December as markets start to, again, further celebrate the idea that a 50 basis point hike is a pivot. It is not a pivot. A pivot is when the Federal Reserve actually lowers interest rates. And that's many, many, many months away. So, um, you know, to me, one has to be tactical in this kind of a market environment. When it gets really oversold, you got to look to uh, do some buying for a rally. When it gets, a you know, when it looks like it's overdone to the upside, it's time to take chips off the table. Is it already done to the upside? We've seen so much, so. or is there room to go? I Well, I, I think we've uh, pretty much exhausted this initial move and gotten the juice out of the, uh, the lemon, if you will, uh, from the good CPI report. I think FOMC members are going to give speeches and they're going to continue to remind everybody that, hey, we're going to continue to raise rates and then we're going to hold them there for a long time. So I think that's one of the reasons why the market, in my opinion, was prone uh, after a little more strength to a pullback uh, toward the 3750, 3800 level. And then I think there's the potential that we'll see another push higher. Um, but ultimately, I guess to really get to the, the point, I think in the first half of next year that the S&P is going to drop and at a minimum test the low that we saw in April right around 3,500. And I still think, Andy, there's a shot that we could see the S&P drop down towards 3,200 uh, when the market really has to confront the reality that, oh, my goodness, we are going into a recession. Earnings have to be marked down more aggressively. And, uh, you know, the multiple on the S&P contracts. 
Um, at that point in time, I think I'll become very constructive and positive. But I just think we have this one more shoe to drop um, with the market having to confront the reality of a recession sometime by the middle of next year. All right, we're going to be back with Jim. But, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. You'd totally be doing us a solid, and I appreciate that. And subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with Jim after the break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. And Jim also will give you his email right here. Uh, if you have any questions, <laughs> yep. um, give us that uh, email, yeah, Jim. It, it's Jim Welsh, macro, M-A-C-R-O, at gmail.com. And I'm more than happy, Andy, to send out the November uh, Macro Tides, which is my monthly letter. And I'll also toss in the most recent weekly technical review, uh, you know, probably be the one I put out yesterday. So I'm happy always to do that to uh, Gaines listeners. And then as far as playing all of this, we've talked about the setup and, you know, how this is all going to kind of play out and what you expect for the economy. But what's your advice? What what, what do investors do here? Well, um, I, uh, again, I think I use a tactical approach which is certainly appropriate when we're in this kind of a, a bear market. I still believe we're in a bear market, and it's going to persist for a while yet. Um, so it's just a question of trying to trade the swings, as I described earlier. When the market gets really overdone, look for a rebound. In this case, I thought we were going to get some good fundamental news via the consumer price report to give the market a you know an additional boost. When, so, when, real quick, Jim, when you see these swings, are you trading it? Are you going long S&P? Are you, uh, are, when, when things start looking frothy, are you shorting the market? How are you able to, to navigate this to, you know, what, what vehicles are you using? Are you using broad indexes or you, are there certain stocks? I mean, how do you play yeah. all that? 
Well, I, I do it, keep it simple, stupid uh, for the most part, Andy. And since I track the S&P 500 very, very closely, to me, that is the easiest vehicle, most liquid uh, instrument uh, to be able to trade, whether it's the SPY or if somebody wants to be more aggressive, they can trade the two-to-one ETFs uh, to piggyback it. So, as I said, in October, my expectation was we were going to see a rally up towards 4,050 to 4,100. And then yesterday, it's like, you know what? It's time to take some money off the table. So do some selling at the S&P trades above 4,009. So those are the, if you will, instructions and guidance that I'm providing uh, for subscribers. Uh, give us tickers on those vehicles that you use. Well, SPY is the uh, S&P 500 ETF. The two-to-one long uh, spider is um, SSO, and then the short is SDS. So as I noted earlier, in April and in uh, August, I, you know, I said I'm looking for a pullback. It's time to lighten up. And so uh, implicit in that is, all right, if you want to take a small short position, go ahead. I'll do my best to tell you when it's time to to cover based on the anticipation of a rally. Um, So that to me is the easiest way to play a market like this because volatility is very high. And some individual sectors may or may not move with the S&P at any given time. So to me, that's just the easiest way uh, to try to trade the swings. Just for the newbies out there, a lot of us know about the double baggers and triple baggers where you get a little more bang for your buck on these. You know, if if you're going short, it's triple short or or double short. When you're going long, there's the triple long or double long option. You get more bang for your buck, so to speak. Just explain that using that tool and and explain the double or triple bagger just so for those who aren't familiar. I know a lot of us are, and we we use them all the time, but just explain that real quick. Well, one of the misconceptions, Andy, is, gee, if the S&P goes up 5% and I have my money in SSO, which is the two-to-one leveraged S&P index uh, ETF, uh, the S&P goes up 5%, I'll make 10%. Mm, If it takes a month or two months, you probably won't because the way they do the calculation on a day-by-day basis so, yeah, that's that's me, a, the most important point of all of it yep. is they're settling this on a day to day basis, and I j- yes. just hit on that. I think you've hit on the most important thing. This this yep, is yep. uh you know it's a great tool for short term trades in and out, but uh, again, explain there can be some deterioration. Yeah, and the more time that uh, uh, goes by, the deterioration gets larger and larger. So, if again, for trading short-term swings in the market when volatility is as high as we've seen it, they can be pretty helpful. But if the volatility was quite a bit lower uh, and you're thinking, okay, I think over the next three months the S&P could go up 7%, you're not in it, and if it does go up 7%, you're not going to get 14%. It's just the mathematics in terms of how they calculation, calculate the NAV every single day. So one has to kind of, I think, incorporate time frame. You're looking for the market to either go up or down. How, how much time? And if, it's, if you're thinking three to six months, the two-to-ones are probably not uh, – you're not going to be as happy with the results if you don't understand the mathematics underlying oh. how they trade. Oh, they're da- – like these, these transactions for the most part or these, these trades that you're talking about are days, maybe weeks at the most – 
but you definitely don't want to hold them because of that deterioration. And then also markets move. I mean, you, it can move against yeah. you pretty quickly as right. well. That's I, right. You know, full disclosure here. This is for us degenerate day traders. <laughs> and I mean, this isn't necessarily long-term stock investing that Jim's talking there about right there. No, so not we at just all. It's to- a whole different, you're hundred percent right. One has to be comfortable with the risk and the levers that then is built into those products and it really isn't for everybody. In fact, it's probably more appropriate to say it's really only appropriate for a small number of people who but, actually but a lot kind of, of know them what are they're the, doing. But, but a lot of them are the type of people who would listen to the Gaines podcast, take deep dives, you know, learn about this more than yep. putting together just a portfolio and buying and holding and that kind of thing. So let's talk, you know, just short term, yep. real short term here. Are, are you at the point where you're in a position where you, 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 you've seen this kind of run up, are, are you getting in a position to potentially short it here since you think that we're going to run Not out of yet. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, I think we have a pullback uh, coming, and then the depth of that pullback and then the subsequent rebound has to be weaker than the rally we've just experienced. And that's, to me, the pro forma of deciding, all right, the market's really running out of gas, and that's an opportunity to go short. Uh, so I don't think we're there yet. Wall Street wants to believe that a 50 basis point hike is really great news, uh, that it somehow implies that the Fed is going to be doing something than what they've explicitly told us they're going to do. So it's just a, a question of how long can that uh, misunderstanding or delusion, in effect, persist. And because when people finally realize that, wait a second, Nothing has changed. They're going to keep raising rates, and then more importantly, they're going to hold rates, and they're willing to do it uh, into a recession. That's pretty heavy stuff. And I think Powell has communicated very explicitly that he believes it's, uh, in, you know, it's vital that they do this right. The last thing they want to do is tighten too quickly, cause a recession, and have to reverse uh, in ease policy, Andy. That's what happened in the 1970s, and Powell and other members have consistently said, we don't want to do that. So I think that's why the idea is raise the funds rate to a modestly restrictive level, and rather than keep going up with the funds rate towards 5% or something like that, instead hold it around the 4.5% range, but hold it there for a long time so the full impact of the rate increases can manifest themselves without tipping the economy into a recession. Now, I think we're going to get a recession um, just based on a lot of different pieces of of data. But again, it comes down to the Fed doesn't want to precipitate a recession that causes them to reverse policy course quickly. Um, I I think the other thing that the hit on that's important here, Jim, is explain why they're doing this. There's a reason why you need yeah. to get a hold of raging inflation and it's and, and why it's even worth putting the economy into a recession to battle it. Yeah, because longer term, and Paul has, I think, been very demonstrative in saying this, uh, you know, high inflation doesn't work for anybody. Uh, it doesn't work for businesses trying to plan. It certainly doesn't work for workers who are trying to make ends meet. And so it's, it's imperative that the Fed gets the inflation rate down <clears throat> under 3%. The goal is 2%. Another conversation will be, gee, at some point in time, if inflation is down to 3 but the unemployment rate's north of 5 
will the Fed make a decision that, you know what, we'll tolerate 3% because the additional cost of trying to squeeze out another percent of inflation in terms of higher unemployment isn't worth it. But in the near term, their goal is to try to get it down uh, significantly from where it's been over the last 12 months. And, uh, you know, they, some short-term pain, they think, then will allow the economy to be on a much stronger footing longer term so that we can the next business expansion can unfold without inflation quickly becoming a problem. That's what happened in the 1970s. They raised rates aggressively. Oh, we got a recession. They had to ease. Then inflation came back as the economy bound. Oh, my goodness, we got to tighten again. Um, and that stop and go policy just didn't succeed until Paul Volcker came in and raised the funds rate to 20 percent and then kept it there for about two years. So Powell would like to avoid a deep recession. So it's kind of like we got one chance to maybe really do this right. Let's not blow it. And I think that's that's what they're intending. Uh, obviously, circumstances that are out of, out of their control can obviously upset that apple cart. But that's that's their intention. Um, and it's you know to me it's amazing that most investors haven't paid attention. And I think the main reason, Andy, is that. Somebody could be in the business, the investment business, for 25 years, got a lot of experience. In the last 20 years, inflation has held right around 2%. So every time there was trouble with the economy, the Fed would come quickly to the economy's aid by cutting rates. And then, as we've seen in the last decade, not only cut rates, but do quantitative easing. With inflation at 7 8 and 9%, uh, 5%, they can't come to the economy's aid like they did the last 20 years. And I think an awful lot of people on Wall Street – just haven't been able to understand that concept. It's a whole different ballgame when inflation is high as it's been the last decade or the last uh, couple of years relative to the last two decades when it was really pretty tame. And that's, again, why uh, Powell has expressed uh, the intention uh, that they're going to have the resolve to, to do this, uh, that, yes, it's going to hurt in the short run, but longer term, it's what we need if we want to have a healthy economy over the next five to 10 years. We've talked about other vehicles in the past, playing the Treasury yep. yield, playing yep. gold. What other vehicles uh, do you, are you using uh, right now? And finding the last attractive? time we talked about energy, which has done uh, really pretty well. Healthcare was one. That energy, is, that energy, to, we're big on tickers. We're big on actionable information. Yep. What Give us tickers with this stuff. Uh, XLE was the energy ETF. XLE, that's the energy yep. ETF yep. to get exposure yep. there, okay? And then the more aggressive energy play was XOP, which is the exploration side of the business. A more volatile, uh, and that's XOP. Yes. I liked uh, gold. I thought there was going to be a rally above 1728, and that potentially it would reach the 1750 to 1780 mark. Uh, today it traded, and yesterday around 1770. Uh, as I noted in my letter yesterday, I think it's time to take some money off the table with gold. There's a trend line that goes back more than a year, Andy, that we're, GLD and gold is coming up to that trend line. And it's like, hey, it's just rallied 160 bucks in about uh, nine or 10 trading days. Time to take some chips off the table um, there. You know, if it breaks through great and trades above 1810, that would be a really positive sign longer term. I was just positioning for this rally up to where it is right now. And, you know, to me, one of the disciplines one has to establish is 
okay, I went long gold. It went down for a little while. My conviction was strong that we were going to see one more pop, especially if I was right about the CPI coming in better than expected and established the price goal, and it's gotten there. And so are, are you unloading that position that you, you yes. mentioned that before, that yep. long position on gold? Uh, I know my preference is GLD. Use another one. Yeah, IAU. IAU. They, they trade almost identically. I mean, they're it's just uh, price they mirror difference. each other. It's yeah. just IAU is under $34 a share, and uh, GLD is 165 So for some people, IAU is just a more convenient, accessible uh, price level than GLD. Tomatoes, tomatoes, though. In tandem. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah, get I the mean, same type of exposure. But you yep, said you yep. are – have you sold that, or are you unloading that position? I, I uh, sold uh, it yesterday. Okay. So yeah. Um, so it got uh, to the price target, and it's like okay. So I told my subscribers uh, uh, in yesterday's letter that it's time to you know take something off the table here. You know, whether it's twenty-five to fifty percent, um, then we can stand back because there's still a risk, Andy, that gold is going to go down one more time below sixteen hundred. Uh, the price pattern allows it, so it's kind of at a crossroads here. Uh, more strength would be uh, would minimize the potential of a decline below 1600, but it's at this you know fork in the road, so to speak. And I have no I have no uh, certainty which way it's going to go. So to me, it's like okay, take money off the table. The trade did what was expected. Now let's stand back and uh, be ready to re-enter if it keeps plowing through. Uh, more importantly, be glad if it subsequently reverses lower. And goes down below 1600. I won't hold it all the way down when I'm out of it. But I mean, I, I would tell people to get out before. But I basically try to provide parameters so people who subscribe to my letter can understand and, and um, you know figure out the risk level that they're willing to take, with you know some guidance in terms of saying, okay, I think it's time to do some selling of the S&P above uh, 4,008. And uh, uh, unload some gold uh, with a trading near 1770, and um, and you know I, I think we'll we'll see what it plays out. The other thing I liked was TLT. I'm going to continue to hold that. It went against me for a period of time, Andy, because I didn't anticipate what was happening. Well, that Britain would come out, as you might remember, in late September they came out with a stimulus package. Uh, long-term uh, British yields went up 130 basis points in four days, dragged Treasury yields up with them, uh, and uh, then the strong dollar was causing central banks to sell Treasury bonds so they could convert from dollars into their currency to support the currencies. So I didn't see that, that coming, but it made me believe that if I was right about the CPI coming down, the dollar would correct. And more importantly, as we got into next year, in the first quarter, I think we're going to get more signs of the economy slowing and that TLT had the potential to rally, I think, at a minimum around 104 and potentially up to the 108, 110 level. And then, I mean, there's higher targets, but, you know, it's like one step at a, at a time. And I think the, a rally to we call it 103 to 105 is very likely. Um, it's moved up pretty nicely. The low is around 92 and today it traded above 99. So I think there's a little bit more in the tank there. But again, I'm waiting for next in the first quarter where I think, uh, you know, the high in TLT, the drop in treasury yields, I think could happen in sometime in the first quarter 
when all of this stuff comes together. As we're wrapping up the Gaines podcast, we've covered a lot of ground. And um, what's your takeaway, Jim, uh, from today's discussion? Just that the financial markets, I think, are misreading the Fed and monetary policy and that the Fed is, you know, resolved to raise the funds rate a little bit more and more importantly, hold it at that restrictive level for most of next year until the economy slows, labor market tightness eases, and we see a much bigger drop in, in, in inflation. That's likely to lead to a recession, which means there's another leg down, I think, in the bear market before it's over. Big thanks to Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Give them that email real quick as we wrap up here, Jim. Jim Welsh, macro at Gmail. And again, Andy, always enjoy uh, our conversations. I appreciate the insight. And um, I will say this, Jim, you go back and listen to these gains podcasts over the last year. And a lot of them, especially with you, they hold up pretty well. <laughs> you go, uh, go back and listen to them. And, and as you know, you know what we've talked about yep, and yep. where we've seen the market and where it's heading. Um, it holds up really well, and, and that's big thanks to you on that. Well, well thank you. I appreciate it. I, again, I'm going to attribute the fact that I've been doing this for a very, very long time, and I do understand monetary policy and understand why the Fed has had to chart the course it did. A 40-year high in inflation you know, just means that they have to be uh, hard-nosed, and most investors over the last 20 years never had to deal with a monetary policy that's going to be as restrictive as we've already seen and yet to come. So experience once in a while helps a great deal. <laughs> oh, I, I think it's I think experience is underrated and it's a whole <laughs> heck of a lot more valuable than just pure book knowledge. We'll leave it there. All right. Th- thanks, Jim. We'll talk again All right, soon. Buddy. All right, buddy. Take see care. You. All right. Always enjoy our conversation with Jim Wells. Hey, be sure to subscribe. Follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast, powered by Odyssey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.